Hey there, my name is Nathan Agin. This is The Working Actor's Journey, bringing you in-depth conversations with actors that have been working professionally for decades. Today, we have a text work session with the wonderful team of Randall Duk Kim and Annie Okiogrosso from episode number 25. Previous sessions of text work include other pieces by Shakespeare, along with Pinter, Stoppard, and newer works. And if you enjoy this text work session, I highly encourage you to check out the full episode with the guest, as it is packed with so much more on life as a working actor. In this episode, Randall and Annie share insights into working on Shakespeare through the appropriately chosen piece, Hamlet's Advice to the Players, the one that begins, Speak the Speech, I Pray You. You'll hear Randall and Annie discuss some of the most important advice that actors can take from Hamlet's words, how an actor can use and develop his or her own discretion, how to look at Shakespeare's first folio and how to play with it to find all the clues. Plus, we chat about why updated productions of Shakespeare can make the audience feel distant and instead how to make it exciting. This is such a great session, and it was so fun to hear them share how the texts are really like musical scores for actors, showing you how to make sense of these works and perform them. And as they suggest at the very end, we did end up working on another speech together, Richard III's soliloquy after his nightmare. Even having worked on the role before, it was unbelievably eye-opening for me. These two are amazing teachers and have so much to share. So here we go with Randall, Annie, and Hamlet's advice to the players. Please enjoy the text work. Speaking of love, um, I, I, I noticed and I watched the presentation and performance you guys did in Wisconsin, um, you know, a few years back. And you called it uh, a 40-year love affair with Shakespeare. And I was curious, well, why was that not a marriage with Shakespeare? Because it seems like you've, you've been quite committed to him for uh, quite a long time. So I was just, I was just curious. That it was just that you called it a love affair and not, not a marriage with Shakespeare. Ah, uh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Actually, I don't think we even came up with that. that we, we had the pleasure of his company and then Frank oh, added had that. a love affair. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's interesting that you should say it because it has very much been a, a marriage. I mean, somebody once asked us if we walked around. They said they heard a rumor that we walk around our apartment in Elizabethan garb. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not over, Nathan. No. This affair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, that that might be a good segue into um, taking a look at uh, Hamlet's speech to the players. I know you said, sure. Randy, that you know that was something, or you know, both of you guys could, I'm sure, talk a little bit about. Um, so, so yeah, what um, what would you like to dive into think, in that? Uh, well, in Hamlet, it's a speech that actors should know and take to heart. Mm -hmm. uh, the circumstances, Hamlet is trying to discover whether or not his uncle has killed his father. And these players have come to the castle, and he's written uh, an extra scene that they're to play. And he advises them. And now he's under pressure, because this play he wants to uh, uncover his uncle's guilt. Mm -hmm. 
He tells the players, speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it, as many of your players do, I as leave the town crier had spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much, your hand thus, but use all gently. For in the very torrent, tempest, and as I may say, the whirlwind of passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. Oh, it offends me to the soul to see a robustious, periwig-pated fellow tear a passion to tatters, to very rags, to split the ears of the groundlings, who for the most part are capable of nothing but inexplicable dumb shows and noise. I could have such a fellow whipped for ordoing termagant. It out Herod's Herod. Pray you avoid it. Uh, be not too tame, neither, but let your own discretion be your tutor. Suit the action to the word, the word to the action, with this special observance, that you o'erstep not the modesty of nature. For anything so overdone is from the purpose of playing, whose end, both at the first and now, was and is, to hold as twere the mirror up to nature, to show virtue her own feature, scorn her own image, and the very age and body of the time his form and pressure. Now, this overdone, or come tardy off, though it make the unskillful laugh, cannot but make the judicious grieve. The censure of the which one must in your allowance or way a whole theatre of others. Oh, there be players that I have seen play, and heard others praise, and that highly, not to speak it profanely, that neither having the accent of Christian, or the gait of Christian, pagan, nor man, have so strutted and bellowed, that I have thought some of nature's journeymen had made men, and not made them well, they imitated humanity so abominably. So, there's some <laughs> advice for actors, you know. <laughs> ah, that's marvelous. But mostly, let your own discretion be your tutor. Important for an actor to find his own discretion and to be taught by it. Also suiting the action to the word and the word to the action. And so how would you, I mean, I don't even know if I want to try to define it. How would you define discretion? You know, let your own discretion be your tutor. What 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 does that mean to you? Judgment. Your judgment of okay. things. You know, your weighing out of things. Whether something is beautiful or ugly, whether something is too slow or too fast, whether something is too soft or too loud, all of that. And, and it's trusting, trusting your own instinct yeah. on that as yeah. well. Is that, that's a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and don't do it for the approval of others. Don't right. try to, mm -hmm. you know, that's why I think the idea of the clown coming in, it, it's not, don't do it to make an audience laugh or to, you know, elicit right. a response. Use your discretion in understanding what that moment is calling for. Because it is in right. your hands. You know, Mars Karnofsky, um, he directed us in Ivanov, and he gave me very harsh criticism at one point, and I was devastated. And then uh, I went out and did what he asked me to do, and I couldn't do it. And, and he said to me, well, that was much better. And I said, no, it wasn't. You and I both know that. And he pulled me aside, and he said, Anna, did I ever tell you that when you're on stage, it doesn't matter what I think? He said, you're, it, don't do it for me. He said, go out and you do it and you're in charge. 
And so after this harsh criticism, I think his point was, that's my job to critique you later, but your job is to act it and use your own discretion in what's necessary on stage. Mm. And I, it was the wow. best advice that he could give me because so many of us play for approval, for, um, you know, it comes to Shakespeare, uh, we, we feel like we have to be walking dictionaries, um, you know, that everybody has to understand every word. And so we're not, we're not doing justice to the role in the moment, um, you know, and its requirements. So I think that, that right, may be what right. it, it, it means. Um, you know, so I, Shakespeare teaches you everything. I mean, you really right. are in good hands. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's so emblematic of, you know, what is it? A, a four, four phrase line that we just reference that we can talk about it for, you know, five minutes. You know, we can talk about what does it mean? You know, just that, that that's, that, that was his genius is being able to pack so much into, yeah. um, so few words as we, as we talked about earlier. Um, I was curious and, you know, you did reference them a little bit, you know, earlier when you said you first encountered the first folio, but, are there anything, because, I mean, you know, Randy, you did deliver that just masterfully. Um, and I, but I'm wondering, are there any specific lessons for actors and directors in the first folio when it comes to this speech or that, you know, you can think of or, or how else might you encourage an actor to, uh, you know, start to work on this speech. I would, I would uh, recommend to actors to take a good look at the text that, as it's printed, because it's as close to a score as we can possibly have. There mm. are too many suggestions and how it's laid out, the punctuation, how the punctuation works in it, uh, capitalized uh, words in the middle of a sentence, asking you to pay a little more attention to that word. Um, making sense, um, but to take a look at it, because printing was only a little over a 100 years old by the time the folio was printed, right? Mm. So wow. you had still, it's tied, uh, the text is still tied to speech, to human speech. So if right. you look at it, okay. yeah, you'll see that it's it's as close to a score, as an actor can possibly have with regards to this playwright. It's a, it's a process because you also, if you see that capital, if with the folio, if you see that capital in the middle of a, a line, you, you know, you ask yourself, mm -hmm. what would make somebody stress something like that? You know, what, what would make you call attention to that? I, I always use the example if there's a, a glass of water on a table and it tips over, and I see that it's it's about to fall on to someone's foot. I would say, um, Nathan, your shoe. And so that mm. capital S means that's where the energy is going to land. Um, and so you start to play. You have to play technically with the folio by hitting the caps. If you have a, a there's a wonderful uh, book called Shakespeare's First Texts by Neil Freeman where he has done a computer study of the of the folios and he's found consistency in the punctuation and one of the things that um that he talks about is the use of of the colon and the idea of of 
going on with with something, you know, with this energy that uh, the colon uh, is demanding of you, or the semicolon is asking you to downshift. Mm-hmm. So, you, so the semicolon is a is a kind of personal uh, punctuation that that makes me. I'm a little bit ashamed. I'm, you know, so I come down a little bit on it. And th- so all those little mm. tips in there on each piece of punctuation becomes a be stage helpful. direction and can be very, very helpful. And if you put your imagination to it, um, wonderful things happen. But you don't, if you really don't need a teacher if you just play. We didn't have one. No. We played with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that that's how I would suggest people look at the folio. Yeah. You know, mm. know what you're saying, though. You know, you have to know words. We we were working with two students, and it was the Romeo and Juliet scene, and she said, uh, "Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo?" And um, it wasn't sounding right. And I said, "To say it again." Sure. She did it several. She said, "I said, what are you saying?" And she said, "Where are you, Romeo?" And I said, no, right. no, wherefore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, I assumed she would know what that meant. Um, mm. So it's so important for people to understand, to look up those words, get your hands on a dictionary and find out what you're saying. Um, and don't rely on the footnotes. You know, there are footnotes right. at the bottom of the Ardens and the different wonderful texts that exist. But if the note isn't there, we think, oh, I should know that. I must just be stupid. No. And we pass on. Find out, look under every possible stone to find out what you're saying. Right. And, and for anyone who didn't know wherefore, that just means why. So, you know, in that scene, why are you Romeo? Why, you know, why, you know, which of course changes the whole meaning of not where is Romeo, but why is he, why is he this Romeo? Right. Um, yeah. Um, very cool. There's just so much great stuff to talk about. And, and you know, uh, I'm a fellow Shakespeare nerd, so, you know, we could be here all day just, you know, talking about it, every every little word and every punctuation and capital letter. And what does this mean? What can we do here? And <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just so fun. I mean, that that is one of the things that is very exciting to me about the text. And if I, you know, the, the times I've had an opportunity to work with actors on text is that it is so full of possibilities. You know, there's so much you can do. Um, you know, there are, there are things you want to keep in mind and there are tools that you can use. Um, but there is, you know, there's not the, well, this is how Hamlet is performed and this is how you have to say the word. You know, it's, it's not a math yeah. equation. It doesn't, you know, you don't put in and get out the same thing every time. Sure. It's, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's just so alive with possibility. I think too, Nathan, once you, uh, put these words into your mouth and run them through your mind and then through your heart, you can never do ordinary speech again, nor do you want to. You have, <laughs> yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. do this kind of speech again and again. You have to let your tongue right. and your lips roll around with these. Um, we were uh, watching a little bit of uh, Carnival Row, a series that's on uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. No, no, Prime. Amazon. Amazon, right. Um, okay. And uh, the playwriting is so... Um, one can only wish that the writers had a greater sense of poetry. Mm. Yeah, you know the use yeah. of uh, uh, the F word and the mm-hmm. all kinds of right. just to be contemporary right. about it. But they could have done it with a lot more finesse, a lot more yeah. poetry, and they would have had a richer 
richer world for it. Well, and, and I, I mean, you know, from my experience, you know, once you work on language that demands so much of you, it's not to say that um, contemporary plays, you know, are, there aren't demands and there are challenges, but it's sure. just it's just a different set. And That's you right. know, when you when you realize I have to do all of the the normal acting thing and figure out the text and and make right. that make sense, I actually. Part of, part of the work I do is, is, um, audiobook narration and, and uh-huh. I'm always working on it and, and a student of it. But I was working on something from the text Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And, mm-hmm. uh, one of my teachers said that kind of before 1900, people wrote how they thought. And so yeah. it was much more formal language. Yeah. Um, and so when even in a text like, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and he was saying it's almost Shavian, it almost feels like Shaw. <laughs> and <laughs> it really demands, if you're going to narrate this, it really demands you to, you know, cause you have sentences that go on and on and on that sure. you have to figure out, okay, how's my, you know, what's my sense of structure here and what's the meaning and what's the point and what's the, yeah. all the different things I can do, not just technically to make it sound interesting, but to really get the point across. Yeah. But it demands, it, it calls on those, tools of you as an actor and then that to me is is the most exciting i'm like yes i can i can narrate something that's written very contemporarily and very casually and that's sure. you know i can bring my work to that but um you know to to work on a text that says no i'm gonna i'm gonna make you work for this and yeah. you know that that that's fun to me yeah. yeah i think it's one one of the problems also when people do updated productions is that you have this language that belongs to a different time mm-hmm. and you put modern dress on it sure and i That's think hard. that that makes the audience more distant from it or feeling more uncomfortable than if they saw it in its period there's more of an acceptance oh i see that's the language that matches that world um you know and right. i and i right. i think that uh I think we're deceived in thinking that if we just updated uh, the clothing and kept the language that everything would be fine. It just doesn't work sure. that way. It's a different time. The language yeah. works differently. We Not everything is fast. I mean, we have a long time between point to point when we're traveling, so there's more time to talk. Um, there are no f- even phones at that time. You know, so that's what's influencing it, and I think you can create that world um, and the point of that language much better and more clearly if you let it uh, live in in the world that it's designed to live in, you know. Um, so I, th- I, I, I sometimes wonder why we think we're going to do anybody any good by putting it in modern dress. Um, the other thing, too, is that I don't know if you've ever done any of this kind of work, but the source material that exists for Shakespeare's plays Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so- I, well, I remember, I remember I was working on, I, I got the chance to play Richard III. And yeah. I remember going back and reading Sir Thomas More's yeah. account. And it was fascinating to see, you know, cause you see what Shakespeare did. I mean, he literally lifted sections out of More's writing yeah. and, and dramatized it. But a lot of times the words, the word order was the same or the phrases. And you go, sure. this is what he used. This is amazing. Sure. And, yeah. You know, and, and then of course you read about the experience of, you know, the whole, Political campaign, to, the sure. smear campaign on Richard the Third, but yeah. Um, but yes, uh, to, sorry to jump in, but yeah, it is, it, it is no, right. interesting, and that was just one that was just one example. I know there's tons of source material out well, there. Well, I mean, when we did Julius Caesar, oh, yeah. we took the the actual Plutarch. stabbing from Plutarch, oh, Plutarch's lives, and wow. so what you got to yeah, see yeah, on yeah. stage was every one of those weapons that uh, pierced Caesar, exactly how it was reported in the you know in his chronicles. So. 
that becomes very exciting to an audience. Again, you, you're allowing them to become part of history. Um, right. You know, right. I always feel too, is if you can understand that something 400 years ago or 2000 years ago is impacting our lives today, then maybe we would just become a little bit more responsible about something that we do having an impact mm. on lives 400 years from now. But I think when you cut right. out history, um, we have to start all over again. And this narcissism that, that comes into play doesn't help the future and it totally ignores the past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, again, we, we could, we could continue this conversation, um, <laughs> a long time. And, and it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's been wonderful to, to chat with you about Shakespeare and, 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 you know, at length and, you know, it just. I'd love to sit down with you. I know. And look at <laughs> I know. The script again. I know. I know. Yeah. That's the best way to show you at that, least how we look at it. That would be fun. Right. Right. Of of course. Of course. Yeah. To, to to see you know what you've picked up or what I've picked up. Yeah. I mean, but that's where it can all come together, and you, you start to explore all the possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey guys, Nathan here. One more time. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss anything ahead. Be sure to visit WorkingActorsJourney.com for additional info and links for items mentioned in today's episode, as well as all the episodes. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All the links are on our site and in the episode notes. Become a premium member and enjoy additional benefits and perks of the show starting at just $2 per month. Head over to WorkingActorsJourney.com slash premium to join the Working Actors community. Thanks again to today's guest and to everyone that makes these episodes possible. And a special thanks to you for listening. I'm Nathan Agin, and enjoy the journey.